Talk Back Matters from the Salvos. The object of my affection can change my complexion from white to rosy red. Have you ever been the object of someone's affection to the point where it's become unwanted attention? More and more people are experiencing this since the internet. Face stalking is a term that's being used for it. And our specialist has some very interesting insights this week on how to deal with that if it happens to us. You and you often hear in the news about celebrities that are being stalked. I know I've had the problem myself quite often. Ah, uh, just a joke there. <laughs> One of the more famous... Oh, no, I was assuming it was the bank or the credit card people, but fine. <laughs> yeah, that's right, it was. I wondered why he was carrying this suitcase. <laughs> One of the more famous being the person who shot a president to impress Jodie Foster. Um, recently, an Australian actor came out saying that he was the victim of a long-time stalker. Ewan is our resident clinician and he works with the psychiatric team in a public hospital emergency department. He's just finished his Master's in Forensic Studies and is currently doing his PhD on Mental Health Risk Assessment. I don't know where you get the time for all of that, by the way. I just do it all very poorly. <laughs> Ewan, how would you define a stalker? Uh, look, I wouldn't myself, but there's some good literature really going around, which, which says that it's really an unwanted and obsessive attention a person or a group um, might give to another person. So this might be intimidation or harassment of a person. Uh, it might be by different means. Uh, it might be in person. Chris, sometimes it's over the phone, uh, the internet buying, following someone or monitoring someone. And I'm really interested to know what got you interested in stalkers. Uh, yeah, it's a bit of an irony when you think about it to study stalkers. Um, but actually when I was doing my master's, my lecturer was really quite a leader in profiling different type of stalkers and he was telling us all these interesting stories. So he was doing some work analysing letters that were sent to the Queen or to the Royal Family and trying to note some themes that came across with those who were writing multitudes of letters that might suggest that they've kind of gone into stalking. So what types of stalkers are there? Yeah, sure. I think it's important, Chris, to exclude someone that might be suffering from a mental illness that might result in a delusion. But look, basically the same lecturer came up with a few different types of stalkers. The first star he termed was the rejected stalker. This person would pursue their victims in order to avenge or correct being rejected by someone. So it might be a failed marriage. They might have refused to go out with them or refused to marry them, for example. Uh, there's an, also another sort of stalker which is called a uh, resentful stalker. So they might have a vendetta against a victim and their main aim is really to distress or scare the, the person that they're stalking. Um, Chris, another thought is those that are seeking intimacy. Now, they might believe that they're the soulmate of someone that they're meant to be together. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, you might find a lot of celebrities uh, fall victim to this sort of stalker. Um, and I love this term. It's called incompetent suitors, Chris. Uh, they, they've got really pretty poor intimacy skills and they might get fixated on someone and, and sadly that moves you on to where they might feel they are entitled to a romance with someone so it might turn into stalking there. And finally there's your more predatory type bar, Chris. They're, they're monitoring someone with a plan of attacking them in some way such as a, a sexual assault. And I should mention Chris we often and usually we picture uh, stalkers as men but they can be female as well. Well it's interesting you say that because in the news a little while back Robert De Niro was um, being stalked by a female in fact the story went that he was walking along the street and he uh, ended up going into this shop and going into the corner and the woman came into the shop and he turned around and said, what do you want? Mm. 
must be really scary, I guess, for everyone. You can, I mean, you're in your own world um, where you feel that there's a, a seclusion between your work life and your personal life, and when someone crosses that boundary, it could be really quite scary and really quite off-putting. You mentioned a delusion before that may result in stalking. Yeah, Chris, it, it's quite sad, that one, uh, for all parties, really, and we term this an erotomanic delusion, and it's where someone believes that they're, they're meant to be with someone, usually of, of higher standing, and they, they, they believe that the person loves them secretly and they're they're sending messages to them that they should be together. Now, an example might be a telemarketer could phone you, but the person receiving the call from the telemarketer believes that it's the the loved one secretly sending them messages through the telemarketer that they're to be together. But also, Chris, these delusions can work in opposite ways. So um, a paranoia or a persecutory delusion may have someone feeling that they're being stalked when they're not. For example, they might feel that any car that is black is following them or four-wheel drives are following them. When I was in New York, I had a car stalking me just for one moment. It was uh, very early in the morning, actually two in the morning, and they were obviously had ideas of theft in mind. They wanted to steal from me. But you dress down when you're in New York, especially if you're up at two o'clock in the morning. I'd just been to Kinko's making photocopies of a resume. And um, they followed me along the street and then left. So thank goodness for that. Mm. That was only a very minor and uh, short episode. Or when I say minor, it could have become very major. What about the internet and stalking? Yeah, Chris, cyber stalking. Um, it's really interesting. Technology isn't amazing the way it's moved in the last 10 years. And, and you consider all the new ways of monitoring someone. Oh. We have, you know, every phone pretty much has a camera in it uh, now, Chris. And you can buy tiny cameras in pens or in teddy bears. Yeah, I saw the one in the pens in, in a plane. And there was for sale this pen with a, a camera inside. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how the law catches up with this, Chris. But basically, you know, I mean, we can even have webcams being put into people's houses or even being hacked into so that people can see what's going on. But look, the, you, you wind away the technology and you basically come back to it. Well, it's the same as monitoring someone, which is what we mentioned before, but using technology or the internet to do so. So they might be using the internet to harass someone or even something as simple as sending them a whole heap of viruses. How can you help a stalker? What sort of treatment is there for them? Well, at the moment, Chris, uh, the DSM, which is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, it's currently being reworked for number five. It's the Psychological Bible and it's not considered a mental disorder as such. And I should say the DSM is really a cluster of symptoms so that we're all talking the same language when we we use terminology. But basically what I mean is at this point, really, the forensic system is is kind of the treatment of choice at the moment. But having said that, um, if a stalker was seeking treatment or it was court-ordered treatment, depending on the person, I guess I'd be looking at any maybe attachment disorders or anger management, maybe impulse control disorders, I guess I'd be looking at a, a person, you know, an obsessional type personality, or even maybe some narcissistic traits. I guess with them, I'd be supportive with boundaries, and I'd look at when the behaviour began, why it did, maybe their current relationships, their past relationships, their upbringing. I guess I want to know their insight into it. How do they view what they're doing, and why are they seeking treatment? You know, are they seeking because they want to change? They have insight, or as a court just brought them along? And I guess that's a starting point. I'd go from there. So you want to know what their insight is? I mean, for so many things when you're looking at um, psychological disorders, for example, to put a label on it, insight is a fairly early, I guess, stage. Judgment and insight, insight being how well do they understand what we perceive is the problem, and I say what we perceive the problem is because that can be in so much itself quite subjective, and their judgment is the decisions that they make based on that insight. So for me to be involved in treating someone, those two areas are pretty important. Wow. And what about the victims? 
Yeah, I, I tend to think safety and trauma is an issue because I guess there's a chance that their world has significantly changed in their view of safety. So where appropriate reassurance um, is provided and there are trauma guidelines that can be followed as well, um, I'd be encouraging but not forcing people to utilise police or intervention orders. Um, if it was a family member or a partner or a former partner, I might be using a family violence model. I guess it's important to... Uh, I'd be saying to the person, keep to your boundaries um, and your interactions with the stalker and don't send the stalker mixed messages. And all this is kind of an encouragement thing. Hey, Ewan, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Oh, always a pleasure, mate. You take care. By the way, are you still uh, playing Xbox to relax? <laughs> uh, yes. I bought a game called Skyrim. It's a very, very big game, Chris, and I got well and truly lost. So uh, you'll be glad to know I'm back to playing Blur and uh, Halo again. <laughs> Well, I've got my Mario keyring, so I'm in good company. <laughs> the object of my affection can change my complexion from white to a rosy red. Ewan is our resident clinician from the emergency department of a hospital. I wonder what would happen if we made Jesus the object of our affection. Imagine the changes that would happen in our life and the healing, the victories we'd have potential for things that we could do. In the ancient scriptures, in Jeremiah chapter 29, God said to his people, For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And in the year 2012, that promise belongs to us as well. Light and Life, the Salvo's weekly radio show.